Today's reading from the Word of God comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me, or listen as I read the scriptures. Once again, that's Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. At that time, children are invited to join Kids Rock through the door on your right. Hear the word of the Lord. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. My name is Gene. I am one of the pastors here at High Rock. It is part of our rhythm of worship to sit uh, in silence for a moment and to set aside any distractions we may have brought with us. Uh, At the same time, we can ask God to help us to be in a posture to receive God's word this morning. Uh, After a moment of silence, I will go ahead and open us up in prayer. Gracious God, I thank you so much for this opportunity where we can gather together and worship, either physically here in this church or virtually online, that we can sing praises to your name, the name that is above all names. You are worthy of our worship, Lord Jesus. And I pray that this morning's word will edify the church to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. I graduated from a local college in California called San Jose State University. San Jose State had around 30,000 students uh, at the time and isn't considered to be a college town. In fact, this university sits at the heart of downtown where it is part of the grid plan for the city. Throughout the different parts uh, of the day, there'll be thousands of students walking around campus, coming from class, going to the next class, or just grabbing a snack from the student union. 
Uh, but you wouldn't only see students flood the walkways of the university. Uh, you'd see tech engineers, people facing uh, house insecurities, business people traverse the campus as well. The university was like a revolving door uh, for a di diverse crowd. Because of that, it was a hot spot for people who I like to call sidewalk preachers. You might recognize them. These are preachers who stood on milk crates in a uh, densely populated area, carried a black leather Bible, and had a booming voice, almost as if they spoke through a megaphone. And their foreheads would be drenched in sweat as they yelled out at crowds. And on occasion, these preachers shared about God's grace and mercy. And sometimes this, uh, their content centered around Jesus' death and resurrection that would catch some uh, passerby's attention. But most often than not, uh, the sidewalk preachers sh shouted messages about fire and brimstone to the masses on campus in what seems to be like an attempt to mimic the fiery passion of Jonathan Edwards or George Whitfield. Uh, they judged people walking through campus, assuming they pursued wealth, fame, and comfort instead of Jesus. Oh, shame on them. And their messages centered around the fact that everyone is a sinner and God's judgment was against their drunkenness and debauchery. And the sinner's only escape from eternal damnation was to repent. And you can probably guess the public didn't receive these messages very well. I mean, uh, some commuters on campus engaged in verbal arguments uh, with these speakers. Um, others screened profane words in the middle of their messages. Uh, occasionally, I would hear people plead with the preachers just to go home. Um, but countless people would, uh, would ignore what was preached and disengage altogether because their message wasn't worth their time. Even Christians on campus showed an exp uh, expression of dejection or let out a deep sigh of frustration. And they probably thought, why is this person here again? Don't they know that witnessing like this is ineffective? And it makes sense why Christians have such a, a mixed reaction or emotion when it comes to witnessing. Uh, for some Christians, when we hear the word witness, it can bring up fear and anxiety. I mean, what if I asked you to come with me to uh, witness in Beverly or Salem? Uh, maybe your chest tightens up at the thought of sharing your faith uh, to others. Or maybe you involuntarily show a look of disinterest after receiving the invite. Or you might think, I'd rather keep my faith to myself and not bother those around me. Uh, there's fear associated with witnessing because we might not feel equipped to talk about our faith publicly. Some of us uh, might have other responses when we hear the word witness. We remember powerful testimonies uh, we've heard or people who loved us well on behalf of Christ. Maybe we became Christian because someone witnessed their faith journey to us. Witnessing might bring up positive memories of ways we've seen God at work in powerful ways. And some might feel there's an invitation and uh, there's invitation and excitement at the prospect of it. All that to say, there are mixed feelings when it comes to witnessing our faith, about our faith in our culture. Uh, part of our Christian faith journey involves witnessing to others. There are ways to witness others that don't uh, upset others or make us feel uncomfortable. So what would it look like for God to transform our witness that makes sense in 2022? 
Uh, this morning, we are continuing our sermon series called In Good Spirit, Transformation in the Book of Acts. Uh, this spring season, we are journeying through the Book of Acts and learning how the Holy Spirit transforms our lives and the world we live in. Uh, Pastor Ali introduced this uh, new sermon series by unpacking how God broadens our vision uh, that was much bigger than we originally imagined. Uh, at first, we might think the vision uh, for ourselves is just right, uh, but then God slowly reveals God's plan for us. That vision is so much bigger than, uh, than our own to the point where we learn to lean on the Holy Spirit to fulfill it. And last week, Pastor Brent preached a powerful message about how the Holy Spirit transforms our stories, which can begin by loving those who are unlike us, like loving those who may not have the same political leanings, ideologies, or values. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, and this morning, we will dive deep into how God will transform our witness. As I mentioned earlier, Christian witness has a complicated reputation nowadays. Uh, but it didn't start that way. The book of Acts tells us uh, powerful stories of how the Holy Spirit prompts the disciples to be a witness of the resurrected Jesus. Right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And you bet the disciples are God's witnesses. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter boldly testifies to a large crowd about Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. Peter and John courageously stand up to speak about their account of Jesus uh, before religious rulers and authoritarian, uh, authoritarian figures. Later in Acts, we read how the number of Jesus followers skyrocket after performing miracles and sharing about the resurrected Lord. <clears throat> about the resurrected Lord, the number of, fo of followers became so large that jealousy begins to fester within the hearts of other religious leaders. And because of this, uh, leaders uh, clobber the disciples and threaten them not to talk about Jesus. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, this does not stop them. Eventually, the number of followers uh, uh, of the resurre resurrected Lord grows so large, uh, the original 11 disciples have to make adjustments to the growing team. And so they appoint seven more leaders, and one of them is Philip. Unfortunately, this situation doesn't get any better because persecution against Jesus' followers eventually makes it to the top of the trending page. Uh, this forces all the disciples to scatter in every possible direction possible. And on the heels of all these hardships, Philip continues to share with others about Jesus and performs miracles in Samaria. And after spending some time in Samaria, Philip is directed by an angel of the Lord to head south towards Gaza. And it is during that journey he encounters a person unlike him, namely an Ethiopian eunuch. All right, so we have to spend a few minutes unpacking this unnamed Ethiopian, so please, please stick with me. Uh, first, this man is not from where Ethiopia is located today. Um, in the Bible times, this man was probably from the Nubian kingdom located south of Egypt. So the trip to Jerusalem and back to his home was probably an arduous and a multi-month journey. Uh, not only was it long, but I'm sure it was an expensive expedition. Uh, but that was not a problem since he was a person of power and privilege. 
this unnamed Ethiopian was some kind of financial advisor or an accountant for the Ethiopian queen. Not only did his job entail money management of royalty, his job involved close proximity to the queen and the king's harems. And because of this, he was working closely uh, with these women. Uh, it was a common practice for men in that role to be a eunuch. And in case the term eunuch is unfamiliar, he was, uh, how do you put it, testicularly uh, deficient. Um, the lack of male anatomy traits also meant that he was an outcast because he didn't fit the cultural norms of masculinity during those times. So yes, this Ethiopian eunuch was in a position of power and privilege, occupationally speaking, and he was considered to be an outsider socially speaking. This socially ambiguous and high-ranking official who's returning from home after worshiping in Jerusalem, and he is reading out loud the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit tells Philip to speak to that person. So what does Philip do when he overhears a man reading from the scroll? Philip condemns the Ethiopian eunuch by guessing all the sins he's committed against God and tells him that he's going to suffer in eternal damnation unless he repents. Of course not. That doesn't happen. Um, Philip engages with the Ethiopian eunuch by asking him a question. By asking him a question. Early, I mentioned I went to San Jose State for, uh, for undergrad. Uh, in that time, I was also involved with a campus ministry called the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, or IV. IV was such an impactful time in my faith, not only because I had opportunities uh, to pray and study scripture with others, but I had the opportunity to put my faith into action. And one way, uh, one way I put my faith into action was to witness around campus. And to be perfectly candid, uh, sharing my faith to others or talking about Jesus to random people was absolutely the last thing I wanted to do. I mean, I'd rather retake my bone-dry business law course for 20 lifetimes than to share my faith with others. If witnessing resembled anything like sidewalk preachers, I was committed to hide my face from university for the rest of my college career. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, that wasn't what our leaders were inviting us into. Uh, we took a page out of Philip's uh, strategy book. We witnessed to others by asking questions. And so one of our Ivy uh, staff members suggested a brilliant idea to witness to our 30,000-person campus. What if, he said, or he asked, we built a sign that had God, question mark, written on it, and people had the opportunity to write whatever response or reaction was to this word? And this was uh, purely an invitation to engage in this exercise. So if people were uninterested, they could just simply decline and go about their day. And so the IV staff and students decided to build, build this huge sign written, God, with a question mark, um, using sticky notes. Uh, this design might have been inspired by the sticky note pixel art that you'd see on dorm room windows, kind of like this. Um, super neat, by the way. <laughs> So we got to work, and this was the only picture I was able to snap from that experience. Uh, you might be able to see the notes written on the right side of the sign. Um, and this wasn't a small poster board. Uh, I think it stood almost like eight feet tall, 10 feet tall. I think my memory's a little fuzzy, but it's a pretty large board. And so we lugged this board to different parts of campus where foot traffic was heavy. 
And it was amazing to see people minding their own business and then suddenly stopping their tracks as their eyes fixed on this board that said, God? Friends uh, from Ivy and myself offered Sharpies to, uh, so that onlookers had the chance to write down their thoughts. And many people did. People wrote down a single word. Uh, others wrote down several paragraphs. Some drew pictures. Um, as I trusted in the Holy Spirit, I asked, do you mind sharing what you wrote after they returned the Sharpie? And guess what? People did. People happily shared their response. I heard things like, I don't believe in God. And others said, I'm, relig I'm not religious, but I'm, spirit but I'm into spirituality things. And I've heard other comments of how people uh, dabbled in different religions and decided to take bits and pieces from it and kind of create their own. No matter how long or short the uh, person's response was, I actively listened. And I didn't have any rebuttal prepared or did not try to refute uh, what they shared. As they bravely opened their thoughts, I carefully listened. And sometimes they would ask my thoughts about God. And right there, the Holy Spirit provided a space for me to share about my faith. And I did my best to match the length of my response to theirs out of respect of their time. And my friends, uh, my Ivy friends and I learned that rather than monologuing to the masses about Christianity, asking questions uh, about the other person's, uh, what the other person believes creates dialogue. Asking questions with a posture of curiosity can be an approachable way to witness others. Having a posture of curiosity can enrich the conversation that goes deeper into the person's theological opinions. And this is what we see in Philip's interaction with the Ethiopian eunuch. The Holy Spirit provides an opportunity for Philip to interact with the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip trusts the guidance of the Holy Spirit and engages with the Ethiopian eunuch by curiously asking what he's reading. And the Ethiopian eunuch is honest with Philip that he needs help interpreting Isaiah's passage. Instead of, uh, instead of Philip uh, explaining to him outside of the carriage, he invites Philip to sit right next to him. The two literally just met and they're already having a Bible study together. And remember how this Ethiopian eunuch is a complex individual? He's a treasurer of royalty and doesn't fit with masculine norms of those times. Well, there's another layer to his complexity. Uh, this person traveled for months from south of Egypt all the way to Jerusalem to worship. And the author of Acts doesn't clearly state whether or not this person is a Gentile who converted to uh, Judaism. But it's possible that the Ethiopian eunuch can't participate in Judaism. How is that? How, how come? Well, because according to ancient Jewish law, eunuchs are excluded from gathered worship. There is a barrier for castrated individuals from being fully included in Judaism. So at best, he would be on the fringes of that religion or limited to the outer walls of the temple. He is only able to appreciate that religion from afar. Uh, despite that reality, he is still deeply curious about Israel's God. The Ethiopian eunuch is so intrigued that he shows uh, Philip what he's reading and asks, who the heck is this prophet referring to? The Ethiopian eunuch earnestly seeks for answers about the passage as Philip patiently listens. 
And after unpacking that passage, Philip witnesses to the Ethiopian eunuch by connecting that the passage, uh, that by connecting that passage to Jesus's undeserved suffering, his unfair trial to Pontius Pilate, and his obedience to God the Father for his entire life. But the story doesn't stop there. The reason why Philip and the band of sisters and brothers are willing to endure the hardships of being Christian is because of Jesus's resurrection. The empty tomb and the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in them is enough to persevere. The triune God is enough for them to be tenacious. And it is the gospel message about the resurrected Jesus that brings Philip to have a conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch. And I imagine, I imagine that Philip doesn't stop sharing the good news there, but he unravels the Isaiah scroll just a little further to read aloud the following passage. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who continue what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Friends, do you know what this means? Jesus' life, death, and resurrection fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. Because of that, this Ethiopian eunuch no longer has any barriers preventing him from worshiping God. His condition no longer precludes him from joining God's people to worship God. He can confidently enter God's courts knowing that he received God's mercy and grace. And he is allowed to sit at the table with the triune God and God's people forever in fellowship. And it makes sense when this Ethiopian man heard the good news and saw the body of water, he eagerly wants to get baptized. Church, no longer can sin, death, and shame ban us from being with God. And just like the Ethiopian eunuch, we too can be included in God's presence. We can finally be reunited in fellowship with God because of Jesus. But the gospel message isn't just for the Ethiopian, uh, Ethiopian man. The gospel message isn't just for you and me. The gospel of Jesus is for everyone. And God invites us to share this good news by witnessing to others who Jesus is. And similar to uh, Philip's approach uh, of witnessing, we can witness to others by asking questions with curious hearts. In April, I went to see a film called Diary of Pepe, uh, Perpetua, excuse me, The Diary of uh, Perpetua, uh, with a few, uh, in which a few high rockers were featured in. Uh, this was a story about a young Christian woman who shared her experience as a prisoner in Carthage around 202 or 203 CE and ended up as a martyr. Uh, the director of the film shared about her experience piecing uh, together this film and how the diary, diary reveals so much about Perpetua's experience. Uh, but there were some parts of her story that begged to be unpacked further. More could have been written to unpack her experience as a Christian, as a prisoner, as a daughter, as a mother. The director yearned to know more about Perpetua's story. And this is true for us. 
we hear stories where certain parts can be explored further. Uh, one way for God to transform our witness is to ask questions with a heart of curiosity. And when someone tells us something about their day and we suspect there's more, uh, there's more to a comment, we can ask, do you mind sharing a little more about that? Or that sounds really difficult. Would you like to unpack that more? And I don't suggest uh, rudely prying into someone's life or being invasive. We're not trying to excavate the hottest gossip or the most thrilling drama here. We, we can offer that person a space to dive deeper into what he or she is experiencing or respect that person when he or she doesn't want to talk about it. When engaging in these conversations, we can depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us through them. We can also ask God to give us a heart of understanding of where the person might be coming from or show empathy by acknowledging the, feeling, the feelings behind of what's being said. And maybe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to share an encouraging word to the person or a reassuring gesture or just to hold space for that person to verbalize what had happened. And be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is with us during, during these conversations. It is work of the Holy Spirit who changes the hearts, leads people coming to faith, or just softening their perspective. We don't need to feel this pressure to go out and to quote-unquote save souls. All, the work is, all that work is depending on the Spirit and not on, on, not on us. And when we, uh, when we see others receive Jesus as their Savior or come just one step closer to Jesus, all the glory and praise is pointed back to God. Similar to Philip, who faithfully follows the direction of the Holy Spirit, we too are invited to respond to the Spirit's invitation. As Pastor Ali mentioned a few weeks ago, receiving prompting from the Holy Spirit can look differently from person to person. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's a gut feeling, or for others, it might be an invitation from God that you just can't shake off. In your relationship with God, what does it look like for you to follow the Holy Spirit's invitation? And I also want to acknowledge that asking open-ended questions takes practice. Uh, but these questions can uh, be asked in our everyday conversations, whether it's uh, catching up with a coworker on a Monday morning to see how the weekend was, or maybe you bump into your neighbor while taking out the trash, or maybe it's just a phone call with a family member and catching up then. Our daily conversations provide plenty of opportunities to ask these types of questions. And finally, asking open-ended questions comes from genuine curiosity and that you want to care for that person well. We hold that space for that person to be vulnerable, a space where that person knows that he or she has our undivided attention. And it is in that place where we can meet God or God can meet us. God can use us to be a witness to that person by being present or praying for that person after, after the conversation or just checking in with them a few days, uh, a few days later. A Christian, uh, Christian witness may not include sharing our faith or the gospel message right then and there. Uh, that opportunity can come later. Witnessing to others does not make people into a project. They are simply people, people with complicated and nuanced stories. A transformed Christian, worship, uh, Christian witness that's fitting for 2022 can look like meeting people where they're at uh, by asking curious questions and listening well. 
Witnessing to others doesn't mean you have to stand up on street corners and tell everyone passing by to repent. And maybe the Holy Spirit will lead you to share about Jesus uh, in a very direct way. But often, the way the Holy Spirit leads us to witness to others is first by asking questions, listening to them, and loving them. And God will, will meet us in those spaces. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are present with us, that you are here with us wherever we go, and that you are present with us. Help us to be in this posture of curiosity, of wanting to know our neighbor just simply because we, know, uh, we love them and we want to know them as you know them and love them. Help us to be in a posture uh, like Philip who starts off by asking a question, by opening a conversation, and by attentively listening uh, to his neighbor. And we thank you that no barriers exist uh, or that precludes us from worshiping you. That you, Lord Jesus, have defeated sin, death, and shame on the cross. And that you are resurrected. That we can be in fellowship with you. May we be encouraged by these words. May we be emboldened by the Holy Spirit to be a witness to others. Pray this in your son's name.